1: Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's that time of the year. Pumpkin, what's your price? Latte season. And when I say what's your price, I'm talking about your free agency price. Fall free agency is in the air, right in line with Black Friday and Christmas shopping. What a time! I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. And just like that, we are back. With the NBA and the Players Association agreeing to start the 2021 season on December 22nd, we've got the draft next week on the 18th. Free agency starts on the 20th. On the 22nd, teams can begin signing. And training camp starts on December 1st. So, on your marks, get set. Whoa. Uh, But we're here to talk about free agency because it's right around the corner And uh, we've already done a free agency special part one, but consider this part two with the updated salary cap being confirmed at 109, which stays exactly the same as last year. Uh, The luxury tax line is at 132. The hard apron is at 138. And unfortunately, that's bad news for the Lakers because that gives them a lot less flexibility to work with and they will likely have to go bargain shopping in free agency with that taxpayer mid-level of 5.7 not the 9.3 million dollars although they can still get to that number if they make some trades but consider this episode an updated free agency part two episode where we go shopping with that lower amount in the worst case scenario but shopping we will go for black friday next week alan is it weird to be simultaneously christmas shopping for loved ones while also free agency shopping for your favorite team this time of the year it's
2: it's the weirdest thing i've ever experienced in my entire life and i just don't know what to do myself so uh, i'm not buying anything for anyone everyone can buy things for themselves i'm taking a break
1: nice uh tommy what about for you i feel like it lines up pretty well you're shopping and you're shopping
2: i have i don't even know how to respond to this
3: (laughs) I guess, sure. I'll think about that when I'm Christmas shopping. Oh, the Lakers are also shopping Tommy. right now. I'll
1: buy
2: something,
3: yeah. Oh,
1: something. well, that's nice. We can do a white elephant Christmas gift. Yeah, let's do a three-person white elephant. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of white elephant Christmas games or Christmas gifts, the Lakers are hoping that nobody steals gifts from them. So there we go. Let's get right into today's quick show and segment where we will be talking about how we rank the Lakers that we wanna keep. And then, because of the confirmed numbers of this year's salary cap, we're gonna be going shopping with the lower 5.7. MLE exception. Uh, You can check out our jam-packed first free agency special two episodes ago. I believe it was episode 326, where me and Tommy go through a slew of free agents, but under the premise that the Lakers were able to avail of the larger $9.3 million non-taxpayer MLE. So this is why we're pumping out a part two episode free agency special where we go shopping with more Lower-tier free agent guys than we did in that first episode. But first, we'll talk about the guys we want to keep on the Lakers and prioritize and rank them because we haven't gotten into that yet. Uh, the reminder, the Lakers can only have 15 guys active on the main roster. They're allowed to have two two-way players on top of that, but those guys are limited to how many games they can actually play in the regular season when they're eventually called up, if they're called up at all. Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith as it pertains to the bubble season, we're essentially just placeholders for Avery Bradley and DeMarcus Cousins. Next year, we also potentially have to account for another roster spot in the 2020 first round pick, if we keep that pick. So that kind of leaves Quinn Cook and Jared Dudley as the odd men out. If the whole roster returns, and I'm talking about Marquise, DeMarcus Cousins signs for the veteran minimum, Avery Bradley opts in, Um, Dwight Howard's back. If the whole roster returns, including Cook and Dudley, that would leave the Lakers with no room for their first-round pick and no room to sign anyone new with the veteran minimum or mid-level exception. So because of this, I think Cook and Dudley are likely out, and maybe the first-round pick is deferred or turned into a second-round pick, which can then become a two-way player, I believe. Uh, That would give the Lakers two open slots for new signings, presuming KCP, Rondo, Avery, Markeith, Dwight, and DMC are back. So with that said, I want you guys to rank in order of importance. Let's do top four. Who you would bring back out of Avery, Rondo, Dwight, KCP, Markeef, DMC, Dudley, Quinn Cook, Jr. Smith, Dion Waiters. Um, does anybody want to go first? I can go first if nobody has their, their list set yet. Take it away. Oh, oh, I was going to Tommy first take it away I'm, Tommy
3: <laughs> <laughs> cuz I'm going to forget all of these names in like 2 seconds. Uh, okay, for me, my my top 4 would be Dwight Howard number 1, Marquise number 2. And actually I think those two are pretty close for me one and 2. Okay. And then KCP number 3. And, uh, probably, I mean, just given the rest of the options, I probably put Avery Bradley for, but I don't feel as strongly about him as I do about the first three. I think Dwight changed so much for us on both ends this year. I think he, uh, defensively still, although he's lost like a step, he still has like so much of that same athleticism and he's got the same brains that made him, you know, defensive player of the year, like three, four times or whatever. So... And, you know, the fact that it's going to be a seven now, we know it's going to be a 72 game season. Anthony Davis is not going to play center for 72 games. He'll play it in the playoffs and finals or whatever, but he's not going to play it for 72 games. So we need somebody to fill that spot. Dwight fills that spot. Markeith, I think is obvious. He's he could play some small ball five. He is obviously one of our best big man shooter right now, um, by a wide margin, actually. Mm Uh, um, And he brings some toughness. Uh, KCP is like the most controversial player in Lakers history, (laughs) I think. Like he, um, I think, so he made what, eight or so million last year. If he opted in, he would have made nine. The speculation is he's going to opt out so that he could try to get like somewhere in the 12 to 15 range. And that seems like excessive for some people. And I don't necessarily disagree, but KCP, you know, you look at some of the other shooters. Joe Harris made $9 million last year. He's going to get more than that this summer just to shoot. J.J. Redick gets paid $13 million just to shoot, and those guys are good shooters, but KCP does so many things. He proved not only can he hit shots on a big stage, he hit a ton of big shots in the playoffs and finals, mm-hmm. but he will defend your best point guard the entire game, and there's not a lot of guys you could say that about in the league, and certainly when you're a capped-out team that doesn't have a ton of flexibility to add more guys to replace somebody like KCP because whether or not KCP leaves, we're going to be over the cap. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have the chance to keep somebody like that, I think you have to, you have to keep them. And I think clutch is going to know that it's going to require a slight overpay. And so I'm sure they're going to work that. And then Avery Bradley, I think is, he was coming on so strong, um, we're not going to get playoff Rondo for the you know, same way. Like we're not going to get AD at center for 72 games. We're not going to get playoff Rondo for 72 games. So we need some guard depth and Avery Bradley can defend full court. Um, he can, he's not a playmaker, but he can create his own shots with the ball in his hand. So those would be my four.
1: Yeah. And the Avery challenge takes on a whole new meaning next year if he returns, because then it can be winning a championship for that dude. That's right. um, Alan, what about you?
2: Yeah, um, I I do think that Tommy makes a really great point with uh, Anthony Davis not wanting to play the five, you know, during the season. So um, it's funny. At first, I will say just my gut reactions of, oh, if we were to lose a player, who would I most be disappointed, right? Like, oh, crap, we didn't retain so-and-so. First one that came to mind actually was KCP. Um, um, because yeah, right. <laughs> what a flip! It would be a big loss, dude. I it, would huge, dude. It, would, no, it would be huge, Like if Dwight left, it'd be I'm like I'm just
1: talking about how how far we've come.
2: Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I was kind of reversing it. Like if the outcomes were to come out right now, and we read the headlines, which one would be like, oh, that's kind of a gut punch. And I, I think KCP would be that guy for me. That it would just really suck. Um, so. I don't know. He might be actually at the top of my list, and then I, I would say Markeef actually would be my second one for all the reasons that Tommy said. The fact that he became such a reliable stretch four slash five for us. Uh, I don't think any of us were anticipating his offensive skill set to come on so strongly, especially because his brother gets like so much more hype than he does. Um, and then yeah, he can fill that small ball role defensively as well for AD. Um, so then I would put Dwight three and then I would put Avery Bradley four, pretty much for the exact same reasons. Tommy said, um, Tommy makes a really good point about Dwight mentally and basketball IQ wise being just as attuned as he was, you know, when he was defensive player of the year, MVP type candidate. So, um, that's going to translate no matter what, in very small ways that a lot of people can't detect. Um, Mm -hmm. and then just eating up minutes and we know JaVale, right? Like he's, probably not going to be playing. He's going to get his customary, like, eight minutes a game. Um, So Dwight can be there for that. And then, um, yeah, between A.B. and Rondo, I mean, I don't know. If we lose playoff Rondo, you would hope that some of our other guys who've got that championship experience can not, of course, replicate what he brings to the table, but you would think that the growth that they've experienced, guys like Caruso, right, um, can carry over pretty, pretty largely. So, yeah that's my four
1: nice and with dwight you can just reuse those stay d12 banners that we put up back in uh 2013 except just (laughs) change it to d39 and add some extra hair also (laughs) dwight howard is apparently dating a sparks player so there's that component to it yeah um okay so for me uh i think i actually put marquis at number one I mean, Tommy, you mentioned it was close between Dwight and Markeith. Yeah. I just want to maintain our versatility. Uh, yeah. Dwight, I obviously want back, but I feel like he can be somewhat replaced with like a similar sort of template player, even though there's probably not someone as strong and bulky and as athletic as Dwight. But like New Orleans Noel, for example, or like a John Henson, you can have like a poorer man's version of what Dwight brings. Or if you even want to get super poor... <laughs> Like Bismack Biombo. <laughs> sorry dude. No. I pretty, pretty much, I mean pretty much does what Dwight does. I mean okay that's that's not true, um, but anyways, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like Marquise is a little bit harder, and I think also if you want to replace Marquise with another stretch big, it's like how much is Aaron Baines going to cost? That might actually he might actually outprice us, and Markeith, you can, might be able to get a reasonable deal just because he's already been on your team. As well as just the continuity factor with Marquee if I'd like to just keep him on. So he's number one at, on my list. And then number two, I actually put uh, Rondo, although I'm second guessing myself now. Obviously, this is more so just for the playoffs. Uh, stick to but your guns. I think, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, I'll stick to my guns. I think more so because him and AD seem to be so intrinsically tied together. Like he's so important for AD. And I just don't see another playmaking guard on the market like him who we can just slot into his spot, who knows AD's tendency so well. Literally, he's the only one who can do that lob to AD where AD reverse spins to the basket, right? I don't think I've even seen LeBron do it. So um, just for the playoff aspect, although I do worry about Rondo in the sense that, like, he just won a championship with the Lakers. I don't know how much left he has to (laughs) prove necessarily. So it's like law of diminishing returns, even with playoff Rondo. But with regards to he, if we bring him on, it's probably only for one more year, And I think he's just so important to AD. So that's why I put Rondo number two. Number three, I have KCP. Just because it's hard to replace a reliable 3 and D guy like him. He kind of reminds me a bit of Trevor Ariza. When Trevor Ariza had that first championship run. And then the next season, we weren't sure if we could even bring him back. And we weren't able to, right? So we had to replace him with uh, Ron Artest or Meta World Peace. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens this year. Uh, Like if KCP really gets... uh, an offer that he can't refuse from like the Atlanta Hawks or something, because I think the sh- threshold for us bringing KCP back is tops, maybe 15 million, but I don't know if we'd bring him back. If some team randomly gives him 18 or 19, do you guys
3: No, 18? That's a no lot. Yeah, 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 that's
1: no. a lot. So in that sense, that's why I kind of bump KCP down because it, it, the cost tag to him may be too much. And at that point, I don't know if he can fulfill that value that, us paying him that amount would, uh, I don't think it would sync up. Uh, and we may be able to use our resources elsewhere. Maybe get a guy like Justin Holliday to assume his spot with that mid-level or give Caruso more minutes. If Avery Bradley's back, I think we can withstand KCP's absence in that sense without breaking the bank, you know? And if we sign KCP, it's likely going to be a multi-year deal, I'd assume. And so that would eat into your cap, st- cap space in 2021. So, He's still very important, but I bump him down to three for all those reasons. And then lastly, number four, this may be too much of a galaxy brain hipster pick. It probably is, but I'm going to put DeMarcus Cousins number four. (laughs) So (laughs) Dwight Howard Howard should probably be here, um, but I think we need fresh blood to motivate us. And DeMarcus Cousins actually has familiarity and continuity with the team. Outside of Rondo, he was probably the only other guy who could kind of talk to lebron james on the same level and kind of light a fire under his ass and i'm speaking about demarcus cousins more in the intangible because i don't know what he can bring us actually on the court he's gone through like two major injuries at this point the achilles heel actually three achilles heel the torn tendon that he played through in the finals and then this acl tear so i'm not sure what he can bring outside of bringing size and maybe replacing dwight as our new like bulky bouncer like goon on the floor Um, but in terms of like, you know, championship teams need that renewed energy from a guy that hasn't won it yet. And he's a guy who hasn't won it yet, but he was on the team last year. I think just having that fresh blood to motivate us will help. So those are my four, Marquise, Rondo, KCP, and DMC. Obviously, even if we don't have guys on this list, doesn't mean we don't want them back. That's just how we would rank things. All right. With that said, let's quickly close this segment out by talking about some trades. Um... Tommy, would you trade for Derrick Rose? Popular name out there right now. We almost kind of dabbled Ish. with trading for him at the midseason uh, during the midseason last year. But yeah, would you trade for Derrick Rose?
3: I would trade Derrick for Derrick Rose, and I would give them pretty much anything they wanted that would make the trade <laughs> happen. I mean, if they, if they wanted, like, okay, obviously there's limits to this, right? Like, you're not going to get Kuzma and the pick, but I don't know, one or the other, I might do it. Because I think... Uh, Derek Rose is gonna We're getting to the point now, although LeBron has shown no signs of slowing down yet, really. Um, we're getting into like the danger zone of his career, right? Like where it's it doesn't need to be like a, a huge drop from last year, but like little minor tweaks and dings and stiff and stuff like that could start to add up, especially over the course of a 72 game season. Derek Rose would, like, slot in so easily as the number three reliable scorer. He can dribble the ball. He can handle the ball. He can make his own shots. He can make shots for other people. He plays with super high energy. He has become a much better outside shooter in the last few years. Um, So I would essentially, because, like, we don't know what's going on with our 2021 plan or 2022 cap plan, at this point, I would essentially offer, you know, Javale in the pick is like a no-brainer, but like you know, if if it even if it took Kuzma, I would strongly, strongly consider doing that. You're getting a guy who you're also getting uh, not just Derrick Rose for next year, but you're getting his. I think you're getting his early bird rights because I think he only signed a two-year deal with the Pistons, but you're still getting some sort of rights to bring him back on a reasonable deal that he would actually potentially keep. Um, so, I, you know, I, as much as I like some of the young guys on the team, I would I would pretty much do anything it would take to get a guy of that like caliber or who fills that kind of role for us
1: cool uh yeah i agree with you to an extent i think if it costs kuzma i'd be a little bit wary i'd almost i'd be put wary, tht for sure. in his spot just because yeah. and it's not even about kuzma it's about losing more size it's like we have so many freaking guards at this point you lose yeah. a 6-9 guy and you're gonna have to replace him on the market somebody who probably can't do what kuzma does so that's the where i maybe draw the line. Alan, really quickly, yes or no on Derrick Rose, and then we'll move on.
2: It's intriguing to have Derrick Rose, for sure. And, you know, you talked about having fresh blood and, like, that hunger, right? He hasn't won a ship, so there's something to be said about that. Um, and, and, yeah, like, his versatility can help with load management, so to speak, for LeBron while LeBron still plays. So we talk a lot about how Rondo can get the ball out of LeBron's hands, just bring the ball up the court. Well, D-Rose could do that now as well. And I think we'd all agree that D-Rose is a better player than Rondo at this point. Um, So there's a lot of other options, I think, that open up for you there. Um, Yeah, if we were to have him.
1: Cool. Uh, Tommy, take this one. Chris Paul, um, banana boat galore. (laughs) Yeah, would you trade for Chris Paul? Let's throw the the cap specifics uh, out of the way. Let's just say he gets bought out or something. Uh, well, yeah, I
3: would 100 percent take Chris Paul. I think it's the same thing. He Chris Paul can still play. I mean, he took that he carried that OKC team that was very inexperienced, and you know none of those guys had a clue what was going on in the playoffs. And he took that Houston to seven games in the first round. Uh, they almost won Game Seven. He can still play. He's you know would be motivated. He could easily easily get his first ring if he joined LeBron and AD next year. Um, realistically, you know I know you said don't talk about the cap stuff. It would take like seven guys. It would be a seven for one trade. Uh, uh, half and
1: our team. It would
3: be half our team, and it would require certain guys to opt in to be traded. You know what I mean? So it's like it it just like realistically is not going to happen. But if he gets bought out, or you know they do the amnesty thing again. Uh, which it doesn't sound like they're going to do. But if they did something like that, then absolutely, I would take them.
1: Yeah, uh, I think for me, and this is just like on a personal level, feels like too much banana boat stacking, feels a little bit excessive. I feel like we'd be too much of a cheat code. Although the, the Lakers redemption story for Chris Paul would be incredibly poetic. Obviously, he finally gets to actually don a Lakers jersey. That would be cool. Um, I just sort of want to maintain some sort of organic DNA of the Lakers, but that's more on a personal level. If I gun to my head, we're just talking about basketball on the court logistics and who, who can help us win. Yeah, for sure. Let's bring on Chris Paul. All right. So that does it for our first two segments, talking about who we want to retain from the Lakers and what we think about these potential big trades that the Lakers could potentially pull off. I put those two in big air quotes. So we're going to close Tommy and Allen's time here talking about some free agents that could fit into the lower 5.7 tax MLE that the Lakers likely will be using so as to not hard cap themselves. Although again, the Lakers can make some moves to be able to avail of that larger MLE amount should a free agent come along that's worth doing all of those things for. But before we start throwing out some lower tier names for Alan and Tommy to review, I would just like to remind you guys to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod please, please, please also rate interview us five stars on iTunes. That would help us out tremendously as we've been pumping out, I feel like, some pretty quality content the last two weeks as we get you guys set for this crazy sprint run into the 2021 season with Draft Talk, with the Laker Film Room 2019-20 season retrospective. Uh, We've got another draft segment coming up with SI's Jeremy Wu. And obviously, our last episode, we had on Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops to talk about the number 28th pick in the second round and, and some international draft and stash players that the Lakers could look at. If you guys appreciate the content that we've been pumping out recently, please rate and Interview Us 5 Stars on iTunes. Let us know you're listening. I mean, we won the freaking championship. You guys are still riding that lit vibe, most likely. Please translate that feeling over to your thumbs and click the far most right gold star that you see on the Apple Podcast app. After hitting 420, we want more. We want to get to 500, so please help us do that. And also, if you want to leave a question or a topic that you want us to address in future episodes, you can do that by putting it in your review when rating us five stars. So thank you very much for your guys' support. Just wanted to reiterate that. And also, if you want special exclusive content and early listens to all of our episodes please consider donating to our patreon page patreon.com slash lakers legacy podcast even a dollar helps thanks to those people who have donated and supported us religiously on patreon we couldn't do any of this without you but yeah overall thank you guys for your support and a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts goes a long way so with that said enough of that talking enough of that pandering enough of that begging Um, Okay, let's move on really quickly. I'm just going to throw out some guys to you to close this episode who would fit the lower tier 5.7 million tax mid-level because the last episode or last time we talked about this, Tommy and I were thinking more along the lines of the tax, or sorry, the non-taxpayer mid-level, which is like 9.3 million. Uh, Let's set our sights lower now to the 5.7 million. Tommy, what are your thoughts on, I split this up in terms of uh, type, Primary initiating slash scoring guards. Out of this group, would you be interested in anyone for either the vet min or the mid-level of 5.7? Trey Burke, Tyler Johnson, Austin Rivers, who has a player option, Brandon Knight, who's 28 but injured and can't play defense. He's played for
3: like four years. <laughs>
1: yeah. Alec Burks and then Shabazz Napier. You brought up Shabazz the last episode, so he'd probably be your main one, but anybody else stand out to you?
3: Trey Burke and Shabazz would be the two... Uh, that I would try to look at for the minimum. I don't know if Trey Burke's Trey Burke just did, and this is like I should remember this. He was on Dallas in in the bubble, right? Wasn't he one of their guards who was who was? That yes, guy? he was okay. tearing yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that is. I know Dallas wants to bring him back, so I don't know if that's going to drive up his price a little bit um, for the minimum, certainly. Uh, and Shabazz, those are the two guys who stand out. Alec Burks, I'm more whatever about. I know he can score, but. I don't know. I guess if he was willing to come for the minimum, I just don't know. Like you mentioned, we have so many guards on this team, like, and, and so many of our guards play defense so well. It's like, where do you find minutes for Alec Burks?
1: Yeah, for sure. Alan, do any of those names interest you? I think maybe we could add in like a DJ Augustine. He'd probably command the full 5.7 million. Um, but any of the other names, Trey Burke, Tyler Johnson, Austin Rivers, Knight, Burks, or Shabazz interest you at all?
2: These are just going to be really stupid takes and reasons for these things. So I'm throwing that out there. Well, LeBron wanted Shabazz, right? Back (laughs) in Miami. So there's that. (laughs) Okay, so not so stupid then. And then um, DJ Augustine always kills us when he plays against us. So, you know, if you can't beat him, then join him. So, yeah, I'm down for that. So he doesn't kick our ass.
1: So let's move on to 3 and D shooting guards and wings, which I think is actually a pretty important category given we could use more sides. We saw the problems with Jimmy Butler in the finals of KCP is not working, so we got to put AD on him. But realistically, you don't want AD guarding wings all the time in the playoffs. Um, I have three guys that like I highlighted. Uh, Justin Holiday, everybody knows about. We tried to get him like a couple years ago. He's 31 years old now. He's kind of a defensive specialist. 6'6", shot 40% from three this last season, hitting 1.8 a game he had That's he's it. had two seasons of hitting 2.2 and 2.6 threes a game which is really impressive and then this past season with the Pacers he had the second best defensive box plus minus so essentially if like KCP walks he'd be an easy replacement for that 5.7 million uh, and then i also have former laker kent Bazemore. i don't know what he has left in the tank former but laker, he you know totally he's had some impressive seasons where he's averaging like 13-4-4, four and four, kind of. I don't know how well he does defensively, but he is like a 6-5 wing with a somewhat decent wingspan, I believe. And then Dark Horse would be Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. I know he's a little bit younger, but it's not like we haven't done this before with a young guy, i.e. Trevor Ariza, like a young, lanky guy, right? So I don't know. Uh, Tommy, any of those guys interest you?
3: I would stay very far away from Kent Bazemore. I don't know what it is about that dude. And I will say, like, when we lost him the first time, when we had him for, like, 20 games or whatever, and it seemed like we had a a steal uh, at the end of that one season, it's like all those tanking years blur together for me. But I I thought Kent Bazemore was going to be a really good player. He signed, like, that absurd deal um, when everybody was getting overpaid. And uh, he just... He's a good defender. He's got good length. He can handle the ball. But this dude has, like, the dumbest, like, offensive side of the court, like, basketball IQ I've ever seen, dude. He's constantly jacking up ill-advised threes in transition and just doing ridiculous stuff. I mean, you wonder, could he, like, hold that kind of stuff back, like, in when he's playing with LeBron and AD as opposed to playing on the Hawks or, you know, whatever? and. Maybe he could, but I, I don't know. I, I stay away from him. Uh, Justin Holiday, I really like. I think when we looked at him when we were a tanking team, he couldn't shoot at all. So he's significantly improved as a shooter, um, and he's a really, really good defender. So that would be the main guy I would target from that list, I think.
1: Also, I'd like to throw in Mo Harkless, who we talked about the last episode. Oh, as well. yeah. I think he would take yeah. the mid-level, and so if you're just looking for a lanky dude who you can stick on somebody, he, he'd be pretty good. Yeah. Alan, any thoughts on Wings?
2: uh i like wings i know it's controversial that i tend to eat boneless every now and then and tommy absolutely oh, that hates is that controversial. but those are <laughs> wet tenders alan <laughs> <laughs>
1: so which one is not a wet tender out of this group alan is the Terrence jones
2: jr <laughs> he's he's crispy dude uh um, he is crispy very athletic hell yeah i like him too i like him too a lot actually that'd be just super fun you know it would and, feel and like you Shannon can see Brown. like
3: yeah <laughs> like adding yeah. Shannon Brown
2: to the team like you you know he's not gonna play a ton but when he comes in it's just a kind of exciting because he does so like stick yeah he's a different kind of energy guy right yeah. like not usually the type of energy energy guy we talk about and you just feel like the writings on the wall for a guy like that to expand his game as well right add a consistent shot and that sort of thing clearly has all the tools to become uh, a very very good defender as well so yeah I, I would like him
1: and he played consistent minutes for the Miami Heat in the regular season this year. That's why I even bring his name up, because they actually gave him a chance, and he did decently well. He played um, in last, the
2: playoffs until he,
3: the finals, yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, he did. Um, lastly, Biggs. Uh, we've got John Henson, New Orleans Noel, Willie Cauley-Stein. Bitchmac, Biombo, Ian Mahinmi, and Mason Plumley. I think some There's of these no guys you can <laughs> some <laughs> of these guys some of these guys you can probably get for the vet minimum. Although I don't know because given how the Lakers have shaken up the league in terms of the physicality and size that they have, some of these guys may actually get paid because some teams may so, just yeah. want to have an insurance big. Um, but let's say Dwight walks or something and we need to replace him. I think for me, I'd probably be okay, perfectly fine with Nurkins and Well for sure, clutch yeah. client. Um, and then I'd probably go John Henson. He's a little less erratic than Willie Collie Stein. And John Henson, I think, has like a seven foot four wingspan. Um, but yeah, Tommy, what about you?
3: I would 100% take Noel, but I think we're priced out. Uh, I think he's going to get more than even the taxpayer Emily. But I think. Um... Nobody else on that list. I would pass on all of them and I would just roll forward with K to be fu- like fully honest with you. <laughs> K okay. Like, I just that's okay. how that's how low I think of th- I mean, I don't want Willie Trill Collie Stein on the team. <laughs> I don't want uh, – which Plumlee is it? It's one of the Plumleys, right? Mason. Mason. I don't don't think Miles has
1: played for, like, years. I don't want
3: Mason Plumlee. (laughs) I mean, I know you didn't include Baines on this list because he's more of a stretch big, but I I, I would avoid all of those guys that I think you mentioned. Henson has even – I feel like he's been hurt – or like 10 years,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I've just always wanted Henson because you, he's wanted, intriguing him, like, to you me. wanted him when
3: we first started recording this,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. He reminds me of like a younger Larry Sanders. You remember Larry Sanders? He's just a freaking yeah. long ass yeah. freak. <laughs> um, Alan, do any of those names interest you?
2: Um, not particularly. I don't have a creative take for this one, that's so. fine.
1: <laughs> You'd be fine with Nerland's Noel, though, right? I of feel course, like oh, he's, yeah, like,
2: absolutely. Remember when we used to talk about Nerlens Noel and Jordan Clarkson trades back in the day?
1: Yeah, dude, that was the that was the hot <laughs> hot goss trade talk right there. Uh, we can finally bring it back full circle. I think more than likely we would all agree, right, that we're probably going to run back the same team. We give Dwight Howard a raise off of his minimum; he'll probably get three million dollars. We give Markeith Morris the mid level of five point seven. Demarcus Cousins signs for the the vin- Demarcus Cousins signs for the minimum, and then we probably sign veteran minimum guys like Corver, Bellinelli, Jeff Green, Jay Crowder, and maybe even some of the guys I mentioned above up there. But I I think largely we're going to try and bring back most of the same guys. And if anybody gets that mid-level exception, that taxpayer mid-level of 5.7, it's probably going to be Markeith Morris, and I would not have any problem with that. Would you guys?
2: No, not at all.
1: Cool. I agree. Um... I, forget, I was gonna. If we had more time, I was gonna ask you guys about Buddy Heald or Luke Kennard. Let's go.
3: What <laughs> do you oh, think? Oh, dude, I would for sure take Buddy Heald. Hell well, yeah. he demanded a trade, right?
1: He fucking
2: yeah, but Luke. Buddy Heald's <laughs> contract he goes so <laughs> That's <hilarious.
1: laughs> Heald's contract goes on till like 2024, though. That's the oh, that's the only signed thing. Signed an extension last yeah. summer. I mean, it goes down two million dollars every year. So by 2024, it's like 18, which is semi reasonable. But we don't know how oh, old this guy is. Yeah, that's actually. <laughs> so what is it right now? 24 or something? It's like 22. Yeah, it's it's not too Damn, crazy. Man. But like, I think he's is like pretty bad. Hey, it's pretty bad. And I think Buddy Hield is like what age is he right now? Sup- supposedly. Oh. He's, he's uh, got to be
3: like 26.
1: He's 27 right now, but yeah. you don't know if... Because he was the, old when he was drafted.
2: Yeah. Right. By
1: 2024, he may be 33 or... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: God. Oh, but I would for sure take Canard. Trade it all for Canard, dude. Trade, Trade it all for Canard.
1: So yeah. I guess I would, too. Um, But I think the Pistons are actually... I, you know how they have, like, those training camps with, like, the lower-seeded teams? Do you know that's actually that actually went on or it oh, might yeah, yeah. even be going on right now? Yeah. Uh, so, apparently, the Pistons have been running Canard at point or something. So, I don't know if they're even—they oh, wow. might have big plans for him. We'll see. I wonder um, if they're going to try to
3: trade—because I feel like all the players, they're picking top—I think they're number six— Mm-hmm. And every player that's mocked around their draft position is a point guard. And they uh, definitely want a point guard true. because Derrick Rose is old. So I'm like, are you just going to draft a point guard and trade Rose and then play Kennard as like your other ball handling guard? Yeah, probably, I yeah. Yeah.
1: He's probably they just should a just play, full blow forward. up
3: at this point, yeah.
1: All right, cool. Tommy, Alan, thank you guys for joining me for this first segment. I'll take it to break. When we return, I'll give you guys some additional free agency thoughts and predictions given the new news that has come out and what I predict the Lakers will do in the coming days with their first round pick, potentially buying second round picks with potentially offloading a guy like JaVale McGee, whether or not I think some trades will happen. And then I'll throw out some other dark horse free agency options that we weren't able to get to in this first segment that I don't think anybody else has talked about yet. Call it my super hipster galaxy brain options. Um, That... Given the quick turnaround, I doubt the Lakers will look at. But just in case you want to think literally outside of the box, I have those options coming up for you guys in the next segment. And then after that, we'll close this episode out with a short 12-minute segment that Tommy and I previously did where we discuss and debate a Kyle Kuzma center package for Victor Oladipo. So, So yeah, make sure to catch both those segments after the term. All right. So we are back, or at least I am back. And to close this episode out, I'm going to give some additional thoughts on free agency based off of the updated schedule that we're now getting from the NBA and how truncated it is. And this is going to be honestly the wildest three weeks we've ever seen in the NBA. Who knows what happens with trades and transactions? Our team's going to be conservative. Are they going to be wheeling and dealing? Because we've had a huge gap in any sort of transaction since the trade deadline. Everything is up for grabs at this point. I am just going to be on the edge of my seat. But given what we know now, I know in the first segment we just ran through some options for the tax MLE of $5.7 million, But I actually have some counter opinions to that now that we know where the luxury tax and apron lines are. So recently it's been reported the last few days that Sergi Baca and the Lakers may have mutual interest with one another. There have also been Danilo Gallinari rumblings as well. And given we're entering another truncated and weird season in which the players are having their money put in escrow and teams are probably unlikely to break the bank to spend money on free agents this offseason, especially with only four teams in the NBA who cleanly have max cap space without having to do all these maneuvers. The Lakers will likely be competing for guys like Ibaka, Gallinari, Marcus Morris, Goran Dragić with the same amount of money that most other teams have as well. So the high end of that would be the non-taxpayer mid-level exception of 9.3 million. So unless the guys I just mentioned want to re-up with their current teams or sign with teams like the Hawks, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Cavaliers, they're likely only looking at the high-end mid-level as their primary form of salary compensation this offseason. And at that point, you're just looking at which teams will give you the best role, and if you're looking to championship contend, which teams will give you the best shot at winning a ring. And it's because of this that I think the Lakers will try to do whatever they can to move off of salary in order to create more space below the tax apron line, thereby being able to use the higher-end mid-level exception of $9.3 million And I think we are heading towards one of those, the Lakers got who types of scenarios uh, that resemble off-seasons of past repeating championship contenders, like the Miami Heat when they signed Ray Allen after winning their first championship, or even the Golden State Warriors two years ago when they signed DeMarcus Cousins' pre-ACL injury for a one-year $5 million deal and shocked the entire world and Everybody in the NBA was kind of losing their minds for a hot second, even though DeMarcus Cousins was coming off of his Achilles injury, that was still a huge deal. So I think the Lakers are headed in that direction of signing a a pretty formidable player for that full mid-level exception, whether it's Gallo, Ibaka, Tristan, Drogic, or Marcus Morris, I think we're going to get quite a shiny new piece. And obviously, I'd put Serge Ibaka at the top of this list if he is indeed interested in taking a bit of a pay cut to sign with us. He obviously won a championship with Danny Green two years ago, so he has that close access to Green to get some intel on what the Lakers' culture and environment is all about. And from everything that we know, it's been roses and butterflies and rainbows this past year. Uh, So that should only help in the recruiting of Serge Ibaka. So yes, I think this is where the Lakers are headed, but obviously, given the lower tax line and apron projections... The Lakers are going to have to make some moves in order to free up enough cap space and enough space below the hard apron line to comfortably fit in that $9.3 million MLE plus any veteran minimum signings they want to include to their roster and even still leave a little bit of room to eventually sign buyout market guys mid-season or open the door for a trade where they'd have to take on additional salary. And so, because of this, as it pertains to the Lakers' first-round draft pick at number 28, I'm predicting that the Lakers will trade that first-round pick. Now, I also think that they come out of this year's draft with a tangible prospect or two. He will likely just be a second-rounder. Whether the Lakers buy one or they trade out of the first round and into the second, I do think they're coming away from this draft with an actual prospect. So yeah, I think the Lakers are going to trade their first-round pick not for an actual player or veteran who would only add more salary onto our books. I think they're going to trade it in order to salary dump a few players, most notably JaVale McGee's $4.2 million salary for nothing. And if it's true that player opt-ins will occur two days before the draft, then that makes things even less complicated for the Lakers when it comes to timing logistics and the Lakers can go ahead and take their pick on draft night and trade it along with McGee without having to wait a few days later for JaVale McGee to opt in. So let's hope that happens. And yes, by doing so, by trading this first-round pick along with JaVale McGee's $4 million salary, they also get off of the first-round pick's $1.9 million salary and also gain two vacant roster spots to use in order to add that higher 9.3 MLE guy, other veteran minimum guys, and or their second round pick that I 100% believe they're going to pick uh, by the end of the draft. Because this draft is particularly loaded with older, ready-made prospects that can actually come in and help a team like the Lakers, who during the early part of this season will probably be running out more of the young guys to preserve our stars like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that's my current prediction right now. And let's say that an actual tangible deal doesn't actually materialize on draft night for the number 28th pick and we do end up picking a prospect at that spot, make sure to pay attention to whether or not the Lakers buy a second round pick in addition to drafting their first round pick. Because to me, that would be an indication that said first rounder will probably be traded at a later time and it's that second round prospect who the Lakers plan to invest in. So don't get too excited if you're a draft Nick and uh, we end up... Drafting someone who's really exciting and tantalizing at the number 28 spot, if we do end up also buying a second-round pick, so be more excited for the second rounder than the first rounder, if I'm making any sense there. So just keep that in mind, and yeah, so that's my big prediction for the NBA draft as it pertains to the the Lakers' free agency and how Rob Palinka is probably furiously trying to make things work in terms of giving everybody the requisite amount of raises that they deserve from last year as well as also just trying to find enough flexibility under the tax apron of 138 to be able to use that $9.3 million MLE should a guy like Serge Ibaka really want to join this team. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few days because it's going to come fast and quick and we're not going to know what hit us. And uh, yeah, just honestly buckle up. Um, To close this episode on free agency, I wanted to bring up some names that we haven't yet touched upon who may be considered super reaches and maybe i'm thinking with my galaxy brain a little bit too much and maybe i'm trying to be too much of a hipster but just in case i have a list here of guys who have probably flown off most people's radars that i feel like could potentially still have a shot at being on an nba roster as a contributing nba player Um, No doubt, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you're well aware of my bouts of Lynn Stanity, and I would just like to bring his name up once more. He has been working on his NBA comeback in the Bay, I believe, and been working out with several NBA players like Spencer Dinwiddie, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. He may actually end up signing with the Golden State Warriors. I know the Dallas Mavericks fan base have also tossed around the idea of signing a back-end bench guard like Jeremy Lin as well. I'd just like to throw his name out as somebody that maybe Rob Polinka would look at um, if we don't retain a guy like Rajon Rondo. His shot is looking smooth and pure. He looks very healthy having just come off of playing in the CBA. And actually, as opposed to a lot of these other NBA guards who have been off since March, Jeremy Lin has actually played more recently than them, and is probably more in shape and in tune than those guys having played in the CBA. I know it's a different league, yada yada, but just in terms of actual on-court basketball play, Jeremy Lin was playing as recently as August. Okay, so let's move off of Jeremy Lin. Um, The big name that I really want to bring up, though, in terms of a dark horse, would be Nikola Mirotic, who last year decided to go play overseas, and Obviously, when it comes to Miritich, he's played with two current Lakers before, notably Anthony Davis and Rajon Rondo. And during that playoff run where they swept the Portland Trailblazers and uh, stole a game from the Golden State Warriors, Miritich was a perfect complement to Anthony Davis. I don't know what his overseas contractual obligations are currently, but if there's any way for the Lakers to finagle something with Nikola Miritich, get him to come back overseas and play for the NBA once again he would be a perfect MLE sort of guy to give a portion of that 9.3 million or even the full mid-level to him because we've already seen him in action with AD and Rondo and just the synergy between the two being that ultimate floor spacer for Anthony Davis. So keep Nikola Mirotic in mind uh, just in case the Lakers want to shock us and um, think out of the box in that respect. So Outside of Nikola Mirotic, and he was honestly my most uh, exciting dark horse option, we've also got Darren Collison, who's been out of the NBA for the last season as well. He was courted by the Lakers and even seen at at particular Lakers games uh, during the trade deadline. There's a possibility he may decide to return to the NBA this year. Outside of Darren Collison, there's also Milos Teodosic, who once played for the Clippers. I don't think he's the type of prospect that the Lakers would sign because he's not that great defensively, and I think I'm putting that lightly. But he is a guard who can create and has a very high basketball IQ and is pretty savvy um, with his playmaking skills. Lastly, if the Lakers want a reclamation project and, and someone who has a little more potential and who's still young, there's also Deontay Davis. He's only 23 years old. He last played in the NBA with the Atlanta Hawks in 2019. And in the last year, he's been playing with the Santa Cruz Warriors, averaging 11.5 points and 8.2 rebounds during the the 2019-20 season. So that could be an option for the Lakers to look at if they need an additional big. That's probably not something that they're um, really thirsty for, but just the name that I wanted to bring up. And I'll just bring this name up to close this show because I think it's hilarious. But there's also Michael Beasley. Uh, he signed a contract with the Nets during the bubble to play during their bubble run before contracting COVID. Everybody knows about Michael Beasley two years ago. He was on the Lakers. He had that wardrobe malfunction on the sidelines. That was hilarious. But honestly, if the Lakers want some additional power forward depth, if they end up losing out on Markeith Morris and they can't retain him, or free agency doesn't really shake out the way that they want to, it might not be a bad idea to bring back Michael Beasley. I'm not really endorsing this pick, I'm just bringing his name up, and obviously when he was with the Lakers two years ago, he didn't stretch the floor at all, actually, and I was surprised that he was very reluctant to even shoot threes, um, given he had such a prolific season with the New York Knicks and actually shot a decent percentage from beyond the arc, but he was still a bucket, and obviously LeBron James has history with Michael Beasley, and I feel like he would fit in with this group's dynamic. And also be a part of that Lakers redemption sort of theme going on there, and um, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't mind if the Lakers gave Michael Beasley another shot because it's not like he left the team due to locker room toxicity or anything like that. It was just a he was just a casualty of trying to get Mike Muscala, you know. So that's pretty much my list of uh, dark horse candidates that may that may have flown under the radar because they haven't been in the league in the last one or two years. So quickly, I'll just go through it once again. Jeremy Lin, Milos Teodosic, Darren Collison, Michael Beasley, Deontay Davis, Nikola Mirotic, and if the Lakers end up signing any one of these guys, I'm gonna look like a genius. But likely, they won't even consider any of these guys. But just in case, just throwing it out there and hope you guys are amused by that. And, um, Hopefully some of these guys actually make it onto an NBA roster whether or not it's with the Lakers and I'm mainly talking about Jeremy Lin, but you already knew that. Alright, well that sounds like a good time to stop and swing it over to my closing segment with Tommy where we assess and debate a potential Victor Oladipo trade involving Kyle Kuzma. And whether or not that may be a worthwhile prospect for the Lakers to consider as we approach the NBA draft next week. So we'll pitch it to one more break. And when we return, Tommy and I will close out this previously recorded segment. I'm bringing Tommy back on for this quick segment. I just wanted to talk to you about something that's been flying around Lakers land. Victor Oladipo from the Pacers is, uh, I think he only has one year coming into next season. On a $22 million contract, a pretty reasonable contract for his age and stature. It has been rumored, I think by Eric Pincus, that the Lakers would try and trade for a guy like Oladipo even without financial commitments and take on his last year. And Oladipo has been rumored to be open to leaving the Indiana Pacers. What are your thoughts on Oladipo? And let's say that it's even plausible that the Pacers would take a deal, you know, centering around Kyle Kuzma, Taylon Horton Tucker, the first round pick from... Our 2020 first round pick, maybe throw in Danny Green as Salary baluster. Let's say they'd be willing to take that sort of deal on. Would you do that? Are you excited about Victor Oladipo? What are your thoughts on VO, the, the man who can sing really well? So I think, I, first of all, yes, I would
3: love to have Vic, Victor Oladipo on this team. I think he would be amazing with LeBron and AD, um, even if just for one year we need to win. We have a window with LeBron on our team, right? And so we've kind of committed and and come so far down this path already of just getting LeBron what he needs to have to progress. I like the Victor Oladipo trade for two reasons. Number one, hypothetical trade. Number one, we benefit in the short term because that team would instantly, I don't even care who the supporting cast is, that team would like instantly be, you know, right up there again with the Clippers as like, potential favorites to win it, it would theoretically, you would have to think it wouldn't be that hard to get guys to come join them, etc. But I also think in the long term, not a bad move, because... We were kind of targeting summer twenty twenty-one anyway, just in case Giannis became available. Hmm. Having Victor Oladipo and his bird rights gives us a good amount of flexibility. I mean, if Giannis says he doesn't want to come back, but he'll do a sign in trade, like it, it gives us a it gives us an opportunity to use Victor Oladipo in a potential sign in trade. It gives us an opportunity to just sign him outright if um you know it things are going well and we think that You know, like LeBron says he wants to leave or LeBron is kind of winding down and we think that Oladipo could be a good piece to fill the gap. I mean, it never hurts to have highly productive players like that who are all-star, at least in reputation. Um, And I'm not trying to take anything away from Oladipo. I mean, he is an all-star. So, you know, it... It, it I, I would be all about this trade. He's an aggressive perimeter defender. He would help us out a ton there. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He does everything. I mean, he would be an p- amazing number three player. Um, and because it doesn't really hurt us in the long term, and it's relatively low risk if we were kind of angling for summer 2020 for Giannis anyway, I think it's low risk. And I, I honestly, and I know this is where anybody who's not a Laker fan listening to this is going to think this is obscene homerism, but I'm not sure that it would take Kyle Kuzma. We already have our first round pick this year. I think that for sure would have to be included when you're talking about a $22 million expiring contract player who has been, you know, was hurt for most of this past season and could walk the following year. I mean, these are all reasons that guys typically in their last year don't, Get that much, right? I mean, there was the famous Boogie Cousins trade. There's been many examples of this over over the years, right? Where somebody going into their last year will maybe fetch you a first. I'd be happy to trade a first. I'd be happy to trade Horton Tucker if you know they think he could be a a nice player for their development. I would be happy to trade Quinn Cook if that's beneficial for them, (laughs) you know, for because he's a non guaranteed contract. It would have to be Danny Green, I think, for matching salaries. I don't know that we have any other assets to offer, but I I don't know that anyone else can really, excuse me, beat that. Indiana has Malcolm Brogdon now. So that's another thing that has changed significantly since they signed Oladipo to that contract. They're going to be a contending team next year, contending for a mid to high playoff seed, the same that they were this year. And you figure Danny Green would not hurt them, you know, as, as a piece there. And especially in the short term. And I just think it it, it really could end up working out both ways. Obviously, I'm not trying to suggest there's no one out there who could beat that. There's a million – I mean, there are many offers anybody could conceive that would beat that. I just think that that is not a completely out-of-left-field crazy offer, and I think it's relatively low risk if we can pull it off.
1: Yeah, I I think – I'm going to approach it as Kyle Kuzma's definitely have going to be in that deal, just mm-hmm. to play it safe, especially because, I mean, you threw out DeMarcus Cousins. Even in that deal, they still got Buddy healed, right? They still optically want to have a deal where it's centered around somebody. Uh, so Kyle Kuzma would have to be that player. It's not going to be Taylor and Horton Tucker, that's for sure. So, like, on that... On the basis of that, Kyle being the central part of this deal, which is kind of already far-fetched if they open it up to the rest of the league. Although, to your point, like you said, if he's vying to just go to the Los Angeles Lakers, then maybe they can make it happen in that sense, and the Lakers have leverage. But I'm actually not so sure about Oladipo, because for the the reasons you mentioned about why his trade value may be lower, uh, the last three years he's been very injury-prone, and actually his career he's been injury-prone, Um, He's only really had one bang-out all-star year, and that was when his first year when he got traded to the Pacers, when he averaged 23 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, and shot 47% from the field, 37% from 3. If you take that year out of it, the next year, he only played 36 games because he was injured, and he only averaged 18 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds... Uh, 42% from the field, only 34% from three. And this is without another ball creator like Malcolm Brogdon. This year, he he was injured again, only played 19 games. 14 points, less than 40% from the field. 31% from three. 2.9 assists with 2.5 turnovers. And this is with another creator in Malcolm Brogdon in the fray, right? So... I'm kind of questioning how good this guy is and and maybe you can take on the risk because it's just one year and you're looking for 2021. You're looking towards 2021 anyways, which is a good point on your end. But I'm just not sure if Oladipo is that right third guy next to LeBron and AD, especially because for the most part, LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands again. I don't think Oladipo is that great of a three-point shooter and his numbers may look more like this 15-point, 16-point, you know, these averages that he had previously been um, putting up with, like, the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Orlando Magic. So, and if I think about other guys out there, I think I would prefer, I think a lot of people would probably agree with me. It's maybe a no-brainer statement, but, like, I prefer Karis Levert bradley beal like if we're going to use kyle kuzma in a trade and not to say that kyle kuzma will get you these guys because i think it's even more far-fetched that you'd be able to get a 27 year old bradley beal but he's also going to be on his last deal um in 2021 so he's obviously probably wanting to leave the the washington wizards but if given the option i think there are a number of other players that i would pick instead of victor oladipo i don't know if i feel like it's a I don't want to say desperate that we go for Oladipo, although I get the case that, look, LeBron James is going to be 36. You just get an all-star if you can get an all-star. I think I just question the validity of how much of an all-star Oladipo is. I think that's just where I stand. At the end of the day, I won't argue too hard if, you know, we trade Kuzma, THT, and Danny Green for Victor Oladipo. I just have some questions as to how he actually fits next to another ball-dominant guy, and he's not able to do the things that he was able to do with the Indiana Pacers that first year when he really had the, you know, the keys to the car. So uh, any last things you want to add? Only
3: thing I'll add is, again, as the years go on, you know, Stu loves to say Father Time is undefeated. You know, he's, he's definitely not wrong about this. It, LeBron is eventually going to start to slow down. I mean, you've, you can even argue that he's slowed down in his years with us compared to what he was doing like five years ago with Cleveland, right? It just, he's at that point where he's going to start to regress, even if he's able to control it and make it a slow regression. Victor Oladipo would, I don't think it's a bad idea to pair him. LeBron and AD with another ball-dominant player because LeBron is at the point where I think he'd be happy to defer. I mean, look, if, if we want to get picky and talk about who we would prefer, I would prefer Drew Holiday. You know what I mean? Mm, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. that that's type true. of player. Like you, But I do think that you need some sort of ball handler next to AD and LeBron still, um, mm-hmm. even though you have LeBron, and maybe that sounds silly to say, but that's why I'm not like super against the Oladipo thing. It's a one-year kind of gamble if it pays off you probably win a championship if it doesn't pay off you're out of it and you have ad locked up and a completely empty roster to go chase Giannis. true you know so it i think it's pretty low risk even if it costs coups which is a bummer because i really like coups so look i would prefer to avoid this and and hopefully we're able to get like a a similar impact player for you know without without getting uh getting rid of coups
1: yeah, you, you you bring up a good point. So your response to the, what about his injury history and his longevity, your response to that would be, well, we might only have him for one year anyways, so why not just try it out? Yeah, yeah, okay.
3: kind of. Like if we're going to take the, pers- and, and again, I don't know what the plan is, but I'm just, if we go through another summer where everybody we sign is a one-year deal, then it means the plan was 2021, which is what everyone was suspecting for Giannis. So if that's already the plan, then, yeah, sure, make the move for Oladipo, because if you were going to cut everyone loose to go for Giannis anyway, then I'd, I'd, maybe it doesn't really bother me as much.
1: Yeah, the one last thing I'll say is, and you mentioned not wanting to give up Kuz, is that 2021 is when Kuz's low cap hold comes into play uh, if we don't give him an extension this year where he'll only be $10 million. And, you know, who's to say that obviously Victor Oladipo is a much better player than Kyle Kuzma in a vacuum, but who's to say Kyle Kuzma's not the best fit, right? So there are benefits in just seeing how Kyle Kuzma continues to progress as a 3-and-D sort of guy because come 2021, it's Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma on the books and you go to town with that money. So... Yeah. And 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 all the more
3: reason where I'm, that's like, you know, another reason why I'm like, look, if we can find somebody who for cheaper and it doesn't cost Kuzma, but he kind of fills a similar role, even if they're not as good as Oladipo, like I'd be totally on board with that. I prefer to keep Kuz. I prefer to keep his cap hold. Um, and yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of the things you said about Oladipo. I just think that we have to be looking at how to improve and what the team's weaknesses are. And I think Oladipo fills a lot of the the holes that we have.
1: Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for this jam-packed episode. We talked a lot about free agency. We talked about trades. Hope that keeps you guys informed and just thinking about the insanity that's to come. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, The draft is next week. Look out for an additional penultimate draft episode in which SI's Jeremy Wu joins me to just run through the draft one last time for one last cram session before Wednesday, November 18th, where we'll get to experience our first... Virtual Draft on Zoom or whatever platform they end up using to conduct this. Either way, it's all going to be an interesting and ridiculously insane ride these next few weeks. And we may or may not be here to cover it, honestly, because it's Thanksgiving is coming up. Everybody has holiday plans. I'm going to be traveling. We'll do what we can to give you guys our reactions and keep you guys informed. But you can definitely help with motivation by rating interviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts. So, I'll just leave that there for you. But otherwise, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your support. And we will catch you next time. And next time is going to be a hell of a time. Things change in the NBA really quickly. And good lord, it's going to be bonkers. All right. See you guys.